welcome to How Fitting, the podcast about creating fashion and growing a business that fits your customer, your lifestyle, and your values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Today I'm joined by Sadie Burton of First John. So welcome to the show, Sadie. Hi, thank you for having me, Allison. Yeah. For those listening who are meeting you for the first time, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. So my name is Sadie Burton. I am the founder of First John. We are a women's wear clothing line. I started the brand a couple of years ago, but I finally came out with my first collection about six months ago. It is mostly sets, matching sets to wear separates or together. So yeah. So exciting. And congrats on the launch. I know that's always, it's usually a long time coming. And then yes, it's so fun when it's like, it's actually you. Yes. <laughs> Especially somebody who doesn't come from a technical background as yourself of um, design and pattern making. I really wanted to make sure that my first collection, you know, did, did justice to the brand and to, to the fit of for the customers. Yeah. So what is your background? Like, how did you get into fashion? Yeah. So my educational background I, is actually finance and accounting. I went to okay. a state school here in Texas and actually right out of college, I worked for a CPA accounting firm. And then I went to the oil and gas industry and the finance sector of that. So it's very numbers-based, very different from the fashion <laughs> world, mm-hmm. but I got into fashion because growing up in small town Texas, you know, we're not in the fashion capital of the United States or the world by any means. And as I got older, I really realized that once I put on an outfit that made me feel good, I felt very powerful. And power was something that I felt like was kind of taken away from me in different areas of my life. And Once I made that connection, I realized that this is what I'm really passionate about. It makes me feel good and I can help others feel the same way as well. That's so cool. And yeah, the fashion, feeling powerful when you're wearing something that you feel good in is so true. And I think fashion gets a bad kind of stereotype of being frivolous and and just kind of (laughs) fluffy, but it has such big impacts on the people to wear it and you know just the people in the industry making the clothes too but yeah it's like mm-hmm. even anyone who wears clothes can feel that yeah 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 absolutely and once that kind of clicked in my brain I'm also a very determined person I'm like a once I once I get onto something I'm very motivated and I don't stop until I become successful at it or I completely fail <laughs> and so that's kind of been the journey with with first john frankly (laughs) yeah so what has the journey been like like did you kind of always know like since you were younger then that you wanted to start a fashion brand or kind of what was the moment that made you say now's the time i'm going to start a fashion brand yeah so growing up i was very entrepreneurial nobody ever used that word with me but looking back that's really what it does what it was i would always do a little project try to open like a little spaghetti drive through which sounds silly <laughs> or i would start projects here and there with my friends but after that i a couple years ago you know i was in very finance and accounting world. And yes, I was good at it, but it's not something that drove me. I didn't love it. And so I started an online boutique that was kind of dipping my toe into the fashion world. And I started that March of 2020 and COVID hit and I had to learn how to buy, what to buy and what quantities to buy all online. I couldn't go to any markets. All of those like Dallas market and magic and all of those were totally Mm -hmm. closed. So that was a learning experience in itself. And going through that, I was like designing on the side of things that I would want in my boutique until I finally came to the conclusion that why don't I just do this myself? You know, coming from a background that has nothing to do with technical design, I know still to this day have imposter syndrome, (laughs) but 
if you create something that you love and that other people love, I really think that resonates with the consumer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, I don't think like, yes, having a background in, you know, like going to fashion school or something will get you some of that education quicker or, you know, certainly not being in COVID where yes. you can, like go to things. Yes. <laughs> get you some of that background quicker. But I think really the key to creating wonderful clothing products is understanding the customer and how it makes them feel what do they need in their clothes how do they want it to fit you know what would fit their lifestyle and their values and Mm -hmm. all of that and you kind of understood that like from the consumer side like you have that understanding of like how the effect of clothes on you and kind of being able to empathize with the customer if it's if your target market is not you, so, you know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think yeah. it's the most important kind of job of the designer is to pay attention and, to that. And I'm still learning that every single day. And I know I have a long way to go to understand what the consumer wants outside of somebody who is just like me, who has my same exact lifestyle, my same exact body type. So that's a work in progress, but I'm open to it. And I think that's what's the most important. And which is why I, my cousin Jane actually joined First John, which I think has been the greatest blessing for us. And she comes in with a very different perspective. She has a similar lifestyle, like a busy mom, Mm -hmm. but she has a different body type. And she really opened my eyes to the way certain things fit and what like curvier women need, as opposed to me just guessing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so helpful to have the different perspectives, either fit model or somebody on your team that can provide the input and, you know, yeah, just like what you said, what is the experience of somebody who's, you know, a different body shape or size? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, in going to different manufacturers, they'll give you um, a size chart of, you know, extra small through extra large and plus or minus one or two inches for every pattern and that's just not real life. And that's not real women, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. so each new collection that we have, we're going to do what we call like first John fit dinners. So we have women from every size that we carry or want to carry and have them try it on and give us in-person real-time feedback. That way we can get the hips for a size small versus the hips for an extra large are not just going to be an extra two or three inches. So really paying attention and listening to the consumer yeah that's such a fun idea I would totally do something like that (laughs) yeah sounds fun (laughs) Mm -hmm. so what did you kind of do then you had this boutique you were working on these designs and decided why don't I just make them so what did you do next like you said you you weren't really sure what you were doing quite in in the industry creating your own pieces Mm -hmm. but how did you figure out what to do next and what were kind of your next steps once you decided to go for it? Yeah, I truly just went to the internet and I Googled how to start a fashion line. And, you know, there's a wealth of articles and knowledge out there, which led me to this company that helps with pattern making and making samples and designs and everything. And so I started with them and they basically held my hand through the process of what to do, how to do, where to source your fabrics, where to source your buttons and your materials and X, Y, and Z. So they really helped me through that process and understanding the industry. And that took, I mean, for definitely over a year. And then once I finally had my samples, I thought, all right, I'm ready to go. Like I'm going to go to wholesale markets. I'm going to be a millionaire. It's going to sell out. Like <laughs> It's going to be an overnight success. And that's clearly not how it works, but you have to have a little bit of blind optimism to do mm-hmm. that in my opinion. So it was that. And then my first wholesale market that I went to, I found some other really amazing women who own their own brands. Kim from Power Woman being one that was very instrumental in giving me the confidence and some tools to help me continue on how to become successful or try to be successful in this uh, line of business. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, Kim and Miriam were on the podcast. I forget exactly which episode number it is, but I'll put it in the show notes of this episode. But they're amazing. They're so fun. Yes, they're amazing. And it's not every day that you see somebody else in this industry that is willing to be so helpful. And so I flew to Dallas and she was like, just come see my office, my showroom. So I took her up on it and we sat down and she kind of went through, gave me her trade secrets and some I used, some I didn't, you know? Yeah, that's so great. I think that's another like stereotype of fashion is that it is very competitive and secretive. And in some ways and in some kind of segments of the industry, it is very much like that. But yes. then like I've found too similar to you that there are areas of the industry and kind of this more small, conscious, you know, thoughtful fashion, slow fashion space that Mm -hmm. is very collaborative and very like supportive of each other. Like we're kind of all in this together and it it can be a really fun, um, just like a group of people and in the industry to be in. And it's, yeah, very supportive and welcoming, I think. It really is. And I, you have to go into this with the mindset of there's room for everybody because Mm -hmm. at the beginning I was like, it's just such a saturated industry and X, Y, and Z, but you can talk yourself out of anything, but just like you can do that. You can also talk yourself into anything and Mm -hmm. meeting supportive people has really, really helped me in this space. So yes, I'm very grateful for people like Kim and Miriam. (laughs) So cool. Um, So I'm curious, like, why, or just like, what was the thinking behind wanting to start immediately wholesale? And I asked that because I see more brands recently starting with direct-to-consumer and then maybe adding wholesale later or, yeah, kind of doing both later. But did you start initially with wholesale? Like, was that kind of your plan or what was the thinking behind that? Yeah, so that was my plan for a couple of reasons. The first reason being I had my samples ready and I just wanted to test the market and I wanted to see what pre-orders I could get. And that also helps from a financial perspective as well. Being, you know, self-funded, that helps with production. So that was the first part of it. The second part of it, marketing from to D to C is scary, frankly, (laughs) especially somebody who's not used to being in front of the camera and in social media world these days and the marketing world these days, you need, in my opinion, you need the very professional, you know, product pictures as photo shoots, but then you also need the very personal side to the brand as well, which resonates with people like the photo shoots give you credibility. And then the personal side just tells your story and it resonates with people and that was always nerve-wracking to me to be in front of a camera to talk like on Instagram stories and TikTok and things like that so I put that off for a while until I actually had my production and then I was like okay we have to go for it because I could have hired social media marketing teams and I talked to a few of them and they would have been great but again it's another aspect of it is the financial perspective and are we going to get out of it what we put into it for right now and the longevity of the brand I think it makes more sense to do it myself first (laughs) yeah so it sounds like it was a decision to kind of simplify the marketing and get the feedback with being able to kind of go to these wholesale markets and get the pre-orders from kind of a fewer number of people who are buying a larger mm-hmm. order versus like having to market to each individual customer. Is that right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. You said, you summarize that very well. I'm not very good <laughs> at summarizing things. <laughs> no, I'll ramble on. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I think, yeah, a lot of people just immediately go to the direct to consumer because they're, and I think also for pricing reasons, and maybe you can speak to this if you're open to about mm-hmm. like the wholesale pricing versus retail pricing. Some mm-hmm. brands starting out, like the costs are higher when you're doing kind of your smaller initial batch. And so doing a wholesale price kind of that's low, you know, lower than the retail price cuts mm-hmm. into the margin of the brand. And so it makes it 
seem less attainable financially in that mm-hmm. aspect. So if you're open to kind of talking about that, like how did you kind of factor that in? I'm sure your background in finance and accounting has really helped you with kind of the number side of your brand too. Yeah, it definitely has. And of course I considered that and I factored that in, but then I also looked at the brand five to 10 years from now and going full force in D2C and telling people who we are as a brand without fully understanding that myself. I know who we are and like why First John was started, but I didn't want to jump into something without being a hundred percent sure that this is exactly how I want the world to see First John. Mm -hmm. And so I was okay with taking a little bit of taking less of a margin doing wholesale if that was a positive outlook for the brand two, three, four, five, six, seven years from now. So that was my main mindset going into it. And, you know, I've learned a lot of things along the way because it definitely is a, has a financial impact, not just with the margin, but with doing shows and Mm -hmm. what that cost and travel and all of these different things. But I will say Doing these shows, I've gone to New York and Vegas and Dallas a couple of times. The biggest takeaway from these shows outside of orders is networking, learning from people who have done this longer than me, getting contacts of people who can possibly help me down the line, different manufacturers, just really being in that environment. And it's almost like research for me, which is why I love doing it still. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point. And I agree that like trade shows, you know, there you go for the show, whether it's to buy stuff for a boutique or, you know, a lot of them like magic has the sourcing aspect of it too. Mm-hmm. And so it's like going to place those orders, but then it's the networking kind of the after hours who you meet and the contacts you make and even, you know, connecting with these people after the show, following up. That is the most valuable and it's just, it's fun to do too. It really is. It, it's a lot of hard work, but it, it is so much fun. Mm-hmm. And these boutique owners, you get immediate feedback from them personally, but you also get feedback. They know what their customer wants. And so if you just open a dialogue with these boutique owners and ask them what their customer is looking for, that's your customer as well, especially if they're ordering from you. Mm-hmm. So that's extremely helpful as well. Yeah, that's that's so cool. So you mentioned a little bit ago about like, you know, what, you know, why First John was founded and the reasons and the kind of the values behind the brand. Can you talk a little bit more about like, what are those values that First John was founded on and how you kind of incorporate that into how you run your business? Yeah, so First John, I'll just go into the name. It is from... A Bible verse in the Bible verse, John 1 chapter 5 is the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And whether you're spiritual, religious or not, I think that Bible verse can speak to a wealth of people. Mm-hmm. And it was something for me that whenever I was going through some of my darkest times, that it really jumped out at me and it just let me kind of reminded me that you will be okay and it's Mm -hmm. so simple but it's exactly what I needed and I also wanted to incorporate you know donating portions of the profits to local women's shelters and right now we donate like on an annual basis to a local women's shelter here in Houston for women going through domestic and sexual abuse and it helps their families and their kids because there's a lot of fallout that happens Mm -hmm. when women go through and and men as well relationships as such so that is the philanthropic side of her Sean which to me is just as important as the design and the line itself so our core values really are just empowering women and making them feel powerful on a day-to-day basis. Because like I said, I never realized until I started to wear things that made me feel beautiful and comfortable. That's, it reminds you of your power. And I had lost that 
throughout my life in different situations. And it's kind of hard to talk about, but it's important for me to talk about. There was, you know, abuse situations and there are so many women that have never told anybody or going through it right now about similar situations. Mm-hmm. It's so taboo. It's so uncomfortable for people to talk about. But if I can be an advocate in the tiniest way, if I can affect even just one woman's life with even it's just a simple donation or it's volunteering or making them feel comfortable to come out and get help, then First John will be worth every blood, sweat, and tears that I've put into it so far. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing, you know, a little bit of your story. And even if it's, you know, vulnerable, you know, I understand talking about that. But yeah, I love that your mission, like thinking beyond the brand, beyond the clothes, you know, what is the impact of the business that you have on other people? And that, and I liked how you put it of, I'm not, not empowering women, but realizing their power or, you know, regaining mm-hmm. the sense of the power that they've had all along, but forgot about almost. I forget exactly mm-hmm. the word that you used, but I like, I liked how you put that. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's been a labor of love. And at times whenever I get maybe discouraged, just remembering why I'm doing it, it really mm-hmm. helps me push forward. Yeah. Yeah, having knowing the why behind it is yes. really helpful. Or the the goal of what is the point of all this? What am I working towards? It makes you know when things are more challenging, or you hit a roadblock, or mm-hmm. yeah, yes, absolutely. Like what is the goal? Yes, awesome. So I was you know reading on your site and in your conversation here, you've been talking about kind of like real women and keeping in mind kind of like the real life. And so what exactly are you thinking about when you're designing or planning your business around this? I know you mentioned a little bit about just thinking about different sizes and what different body types need, but is there anything mm-hmm. other than that that you're keeping in mind about real women and real life as you're working on things for the brand? Yes, absolutely. One of the biggest things that we consider is the fabric, meaning it has to be comfortable. And if it's not totally wrinkle-free, it needs to be to an effect of that. Because I, my first design was the trousers working in, you know, the corporate world for eight years. I always needed something that was comfortable that I could, you know, sit in and work in all day without having to think about if it's fitting me the right way or if I stand up, now I'm going to have a huge wrinkle down my left leg mm-hmm. and I'm about to go into this presentation. So we say it's like designed to move with you in your real life. So comfortable comfortability, obviously it has to look good and feel good, breathable and having pockets in every single pants, shorts, dress, whatever it is that we make pockets are so important. Cause I cannot tell you how many times I've been looking, I don't want to carry my purse somewhere, but I have to carry my chapstick or my phone or X, Y, and Z. And now I don't have two free hands and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, menswear has pockets in every single piece that they design. And so women deserve pockets too. And so pockets, breathable, comfortable fabric that you can still wear in a boardroom are things that are very important to the brand and something that we always look for. Yeah, I'm with you on the pockets. I've been yeah. to <laughs> add pockets to things that didn't have pockets before because I'm like, what is yes. this? Yeah. I want to wear this dress, <laughs> but it has no yes. pockets and I'm not carrying a purse. So let me just like cut the side seam open, add a pocket in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And also pockets that are sturdy enough to where if you do put a phone in there, it doesn't look like you're carrying a sack of potatoes because <laughs> mm-hmm. it hangs down so so far. So it's little things like that I always looked for that I make sure that we have in all of our designs as well. Cool. Yep. Those are all great things kind of going back to you, know, the empathy of who the customer is and how they're going to use it and wear it. It sounds like you've really thought through, you know, yeah, and the things absolutely. that they'll need. And being a mom, I have a two-year-old daughter, designs that 
you can quite literally run around the park with them. Like we have a pair of shorts that we call them the trouser short. And I truly wear them to the park with her every single day. And they're, you know, cuter than a Nike short, <laughs> but they have the same effect and you have pockets. So whenever they, she hands me rocks from the playground, I can keep them and put them in my pocket because she's going to want them later. It's silly things <laughs> like that, that really matter to me and just throw on a t-shirt with it and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So cool. Yeah. So back to like the brand and some of the feedback, like you mentioned that the buyers are very open to like giving feedback right there and like sharing what their customers are looking for. Um, what has kind of been the overall re- reaction since launching the brand that you've received feedback on? And is there anything that was kind of surprising that you weren't expecting to hear and you've kind of heard from buyers or customers? Yeah, definitely. It's funny. We were just in New York a couple of weeks ago and the biggest feedback we got was need black. (laughs) Like Mm. we're New Yorkers. We need a black colorway. And I was like, okay, yes, don't worry. We're working on it. We're going to have some black trousers and some other pieces for you right now. So just people want more, which is a good sign. They're liking the brand and they want more of the brand, which is good. Um, but different colorways and also a good piece of feedback that we had for our bow top, which the direct to consumer loved, absolutely loved our bow top, but it's not as practical um, because, you know, of the bow in the back. And as far as like sitting and if our main, one of our main core values is comfortability, versatility, that's probably something that I would change going forward instead mm-hmm. of making like a big bow so you can't necessarily sit down and be super comfortable. I would do a different design aspect of a top like that, um, which is good. It's great feedback. And for ladies that have bigger chests, how the blazer fits them or how the boat, how different tops fit them, how a dress would fit them, because that's not something that I have the privilege of understanding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so fits for ladies that are bigger chested has been a learning curve for me as well. Yeah, those are all great points. Of And the color thing is, it's like an easy win where it's like, well, yeah, add black, you know, yeah. a lot of fabrics, <laughs> you know, if they're coming in pre, pre-made colors, there often is a black colorway option available. Yes. Um, so that's great feedback to hear because that's an easy way if you've already developed the style and you love the fit of it just add it in a new color for the next season Mm -hmm, Um, absolutely I'm like that's super easy done (laughs) mm -hmm, yep (laughs) and then the fit for like you know larger chested uh, women or just different body types in general yeah sometimes it requires some tweaks but um yes and for our, our trousers they are longer they have like a 32 inch inseam and some feedback from I guess from some shorter women have been, oh, these are too long. But then you have our your taller women who are so thankful that they can find a trouser that fits them all the way because our philosophy as far as you know pants goes are you can always get them hemmed shorter, but you can't add fabric to a trouser that you just bought because it's too short. And that was something growing mm-hmm. up because I have I'm five seven, but I'm mostly legs and mm-hmm. it was always hard for me to find a trouser that was long enough without going a couple sizes up. So that was something that was very important to us for the trouser and then for the short as well to make sure that it covered the bum, but wasn't to your knees, just a short that was cute, a little, you know, a little sexy, but made you feel good. So that that's some feedback that we've gotten that I've told some boutique owners, well, you know, thank you for your feedback, but we're going to keep the trouser at the length that it is because Frankly, that's who we are as a brand and it works for most people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't please everybody. <laughs> you know, yes. Like, especially when you have a specific version for like, this is my customer. This is what they care about. You know, there's always other people that kind of fall outside of that. But mm-hmm. it's pretty much impossible, I think, to make one product that is everything that everybody wants. Like you can make it everything to somebody, but not everything to everybody. <laughs> Yes. And that's a hard lesson that I've learned because I want to please everybody and Mm -hmm. that's not possible. (laughs) Yeah. So what does, how did you decide on kind of 
the initial designs for this collection and what was the process of kind of getting those made and, and getting the fit to where it is now? Yeah, so the first design was the trouser and then the trouser short because like I had mentioned, I was always looking for a trouser that was long enough to fit my long legs and torso, but also that was comfortable, that I could wear all day, that I could get in a bunch of different colors, wear to the office or not. So I just created those two pieces um, for something that I had always been looking for. And I started the design process by reaching out to this company that are based out of Austin. And I sent them fabrics. I sent them what I was looking for. And they made a sample. And then I would travel back and forth. I was a fit model for a size small. And so I went there a couple of times, making adjustments to the length, to the width, to everything until I got it to exactly where I want it to be for all of the pieces. And I threw in a blazer and a bow top because you can wear the blazer by itself or with, you know, a shirt underneath and wear it to the office. And then also the bow top is just fun and a little flirty and a little bit sexier. The ivory is really cute for our bride. So that was really the, the thought process behind all the pieces and how you can mix and match and wear them together. Yeah, so cool. And I know I did notice like on your site, like you were, or maybe it's on your Instagram that like you were you had kind of these pieces curated like the white and even the light blue for brides and I think I would have never thought of that for you know like bachelorette party or you know Mm -hmm. brunch with the you know bridesmaids before the wedding or whatever but it's like it is such a great outfit for that like what kind of made you think of that way of wearing it because I think that's so helpful for people to kind of envision like what they would wear it for and that's an app like an event that I wouldn't have thought to wear a blazer for yeah you know, blazer I, pants it's funny I actually for my um for my wedding or engagement shower bridal shower there's so many one of them like four <laughs> or five years ago I chose a white trouser and I wore this you know this bodysuit with it and that's always just been my style simple elevated but with a little bit of you could say like tomboy flair to it like Mm because a trouser for a bridal shower is not you know your typical thing that most brides would, would pick just like you mentioned so I've always loved doing something a little bit edgier and it was just a natural progression for me to market the ivory piece in that way because that's what I would do yeah that was really cool I was like that's perfect and even the light blue I feel like fits well for for bridal yeah that I wouldn't have initially like seen that piece and thought bridal but then when you said that I was like you know what that's great that's a great idea yeah and doing the marketing myself for our social media has really forced me to, you know, think of different ways to market each piece, think outside the box. And our customers have really appreciated that because they've had similar feedback to you. It was like, oh, you're right. I can wear it this way. Like I don't have to be stuck inside of a box that a blazer is only for professional meetings. Like do it's fashion. You can do whatever you want to with the pieces. <laughs> it's up to mm-hmm. you. <laughs> So what you you talked about earlier, how marketing is maybe, or direct-to-consumer marketing maybe is less of your forte, but what have you kind of done on the marketing side, you know, selling wholesale? Like even how have you set up your booth? Like what were the things that you are doing to market the brand? So for wholesale, really it's the first couple markets I would just show up and I didn't know how to even market to boutiques or wholesale. And so to me, that how my booth was set up was very important and it is. I have a very like simple palette. It was a lot of news, you know, with a pop of blue, just like the color of my designs. I, you know, had a simple CB2 rug, you know, have some pompous grass. And that was basically it. I just wanted it to be simple and serene when you came into the booth with which actually really resonated with other buyers. Um, and then outside of that, once I started to learn and grow and understand how to market to con- wholesale and boutiques, a lot of email marketing, 
a lot of picking up the phone and calling boutiques, which can be daunting because <laughs> <laughs> um, I've never been the kind of person that categorize myself as a salesperson but you have to be and it is a lot easier to do whenever it's something that you love and care about but it's really just getting out there and being relentless and reminding people and boutiques that you're here and you have a great product and this is why so yeah so when you're calling these boutiques like what are you saying initially are you just calling to introduce yourself or to ask them you know questions about their customer brand or are you kind of pitching the line right away I'm pitching the line right away I tell them who I am what I have and some boutique owners are willing to sit and talk with you not all are but I get it because you know they're busy as well so then I offer to send them a lookbook and line sheets if they're interested and that's how I'll start the conversation nice and have you found like that boutiques are pretty open to, you know, taking on a new line right away? Or I've heard from like other people that sometimes they want to kind of see you at market several times and see like that you're going to stick around and see if you're going to deliver and stuff before they place an order. It's interesting because there's two mindsets that I've seen that seem to be regional. So somewhere like Dallas market, they really want to see you multiple times, make sure that you're a solid brand, like you just mentioned, and they're not as willing to jump into a new designer and a new line, as opposed to New York, they were chomping at the bit to get in a new designer and a new line and something different, which was really, yeah, which is very interesting and really nice to see. I think they were just looking for something different and they loved first John and I was like, okay, I'm coming back <laughs> mm-hmm. because ex- especially starting off as a new designer, you have to be very cautious where you spend your money and showing up to market after market just to on the 10th market, finally get a return that makes sense. It's hard to do. Yeah, so have you kind of found the markets that really work for your brand that you're getting traction on then? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that is, that's New York and East Coast. It's the brand is their style that they're looking for. And they're open to new designers, which is a win for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's so interesting that there are like, you found kind of regional difference in being willing to buy from a new designer and I think that's cool to see though that like there are markets that are eager to test something new and take a chance on a new brand because you know you've got to start somewhere (laughs) yeah (laughs) I know but yeah that's so cool so what is your kind of definition of success long-term for the brand? Like, you know, the ph- philanthropy is a big thing and the reason behind it, but where do you see the brand kind of going in the future? I really just want the ability to keep designing things that people love. Of course, mm-hmm. having a success like, like Sarah Blakely with Spanx or, you know, Kim Kardashian with Skims, that of course is, that would be amazing, but it's not necessarily a goal of mine. I do want to be very successful and I want to have a big outreach for the brand and for the philanthropy itself. And the more the brand goes, grows, the bigger the philanthropy can grow and the more we can do with it. So Mm -hmm. they go hand in hand. Definitely. I just want first John to be a brand that people come to and they know what to expect. They know what they're getting and they feel good about the pieces that they're buying. And it's not something that's fast fashion that they know will just end up in a landfill in six months, something that will last them for years to come. And they can layer other pieces and other brands with it as well. Like it's not just a standalone piece. They can, of course, wear the sets or they can dress it up with other pieces as well just the versatility of it. So that's my goal. My hopes and my dreams for First John is just to keep growing and keep networking and 
get brand awareness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. And the bigger the brand goes, the more impact and positive change you can make. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. So what does your kind of day-to-day running the brand look like? Well, my day-to-day is crazy because I still work in oil and gas finance. Okay. So I do that. And then I'm always looking how to grow brand awareness, whether that's reaching out to other boutiques for wholesale orders or doing pop-ups, local pop-ups around Houston to get direct-to-consumer brand awareness. And then social media management. What do we want to post? How do we want to post it without overthinking it too much? (laughs) That's always the challenge, isn't it? Yes, it's always (laughs) a challenge. (laughs) And then making sure that we're keeping up with, you know, the wants of the consumer as far as designs go. And obviously right now, production is going to be slow for the first couple of years, but, you know, we're growing momentum and getting new designs and new samples in here very soon. And so to answer your question, my day-to-day looks different every single day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's everything all the time, basically, but definitely every day is social media. How do we grow brand awareness? That's always on top of mind. Yeah. I think some people see like, oh, you're a fashion designer and you're sitting and sketching and, you know, playing with fabrics all day when in reality running a business it's much more about running the business sales marketing admin and then like a teeny bit of design every once in a while Uh, I know I wish I was looking at fabrics all day every day Mm -hmm. (laughs) that would be amazing yep so you mentioned you have more designs coming like another collection that you're working on like how many pieces or collections are you planning kind of each year? Is it just like a spring and a fall or what does that look like? Currently right now it's a spring and a fall and I don't want my pieces to be spring and fall specific. Like I want them to be where you can wear them year round and sure different colorways work better in different seasons, but Two collections a year for now is what we're planning on doing. I don't ever want to overproduce, overbuy, and just mm-hmm. have an excessive inventory and then you get you get in a hole that way. So we're gonna keep everything very small batch. As the brand grows, we'll grow with it. But two collections a season, I would say maybe two to four designs are coming up for the for the spring collection. And then we'll see which pieces our bestsellers and we can produce more of those throughout the year as demand needs so yeah so so that's our plan for now Hmm. yeah I think a lot that's a smart way to do it for a lot of brands and with wholesale it's like there's the spring shows and there's the fall shows and of course you know there are other seasons where you could be selling multiple you know more immediates or Mm -hmm. more kind of like long term at each show but it makes sense you know, for wholesale brands to kind of work on that calendar. Yes, absolutely. Cool. So with the new pieces, like, is your plan to kind of stick with more transitional, like between seasons, the pants and tops and blazers, or kind of what are the, how far are you planning on branching out from the first collection? So we in this next collection we are not doing any blazers we're doing more like blouses and we are adding a black trouser and it's going to be in a slightly different fabric because the fabric that I want going forward I just want to continue to upgrade everything you know we've learned from Mm -hmm. our feedback people are loving how lightweight these trousers are so these next trousers they're not going to be thick but they might be a little slightly thicker and then I want to design well we have some samples made of a short because people are loving the shorts as well but with a a few tweaks a few changes just to keep making what we already have that people love even better Mm -hmm. and then for the fall I really want to do some like some knits I'm really excited about some knits maybe like a sweater dress my brain it's funny my my business partner Jane 
I text her a hundred ideas a day. <laughs> I'm just always thinking about, you know, new designs and new ways to grow and X, Y, and Z. So she's kind of the one who organizes all of my thoughts. <laughs> so, but that that that's our ideas for 2024. Well, yeah, I'm excited to see them when they come out. Yeah. And and like with production and wholesale, so you're taking pre-orders and then are you kind of producing based on how many orders you get at the shows? Yes. So, I mean, you know, there's minimums and mm-hmm. I'll tell my manufacturer to, the goal is to do the the minimum order. And if we sell a lot more, then I can always add on to that as long as it's, you know, a couple weeks before production is finished because they still have to source or buy more fabric and materials and everything. So mm-hmm. initially my business plan was to do pre-orders only at wholesale. Of course, like with immediates if I already have them. But what I've learned from New York specifically is that they don't necessarily like pre-orders. They want to see it and they want to be able to purchase it now for immediates or hold it but they want it to be available now is the feedback that I got so mm. interesting yeah and it mm-hmm. might be because I know there's several wholesale brands I work with and it is hard especially during the pandemic and especially depending on I, I'm not sure where you're producing in the world but it's like shipping times and just like you think it's going to arrive you know on this date but it could be a month later or two months later who knows depending mm-hmm. on is the port overcrowded or, you know, what, yes. what's happening? And maybe there's that hesitation of, and I've seen that too in recent years of buyers being more hesitant to place orders for a far out delivery date. They want to know, they want more immediate because it just feels more secure or yes. you know, even for their own store, they don't know, are we going to have to close down for, you know, who knows what during the pandemic, especially. And so being able to plan more close to season was helpful to them. Oh, yes, absolutely. And you speaking to that, you asked me what, you know, the goal or the vision was for First John in the future. And I would love to produce in-house. I know that's a big goal. <laughs> mm-hmm. But to have, you know, my own someone like you working in-house um, and do production and design and everything in-house, just maybe it's because I just want even more control. I just, I don't like really pushing that to unknown factors. Mm-hmm. So I would love to be able to one day have like a, you know, maybe not a fashion house like Chanel and Gucci. I understand that's like luxury, but something logistically similar to that. Yeah, there are pros and cons to both sides, but yeah, I think like the a lot of my clients like having at least, you know, like the patterns and the design and all of that more in their control because then they have more flexibility if they could take it to whatever factory they want and mm-hmm. they kind of have more ownership of that. But yeah, there's pros and cons to however you go about kind of design and development and production, depending on like what your goals are and how many you're wanting to make of something and what the budget and timeline are and all of that. Yes, (laughs) a lot of pieces to it. For sure. So what, what are you most proud of so far in running for Sean or what are you most excited about for the future? Oh, what am I most proud of? I think, uh, I don't know, this is going to make me cry. (laughs) I think what I'm most proud of is the fact that I didn't let fear stop me Mm. from doing what I'm passionate about and creating a product that I truly am proud of. I truly wear these pieces every day, whether it's just the shorts or the blazer to work. I truly wear these pieces every day. So it's something that I can tell people that you should wear it too, because I am proud of it but also not being afraid to bring in my story to the why and the about behind First John. Because it's not, like I said, it's not an easy thing to talk about, but I think it's a very important thing to talk about just to raise awareness and possibly impact others' lives because it would have been just as easy 
to not include that in the brand, but I think that is what makes the brand. So I'm very proud of that. And I'm very excited about what's to come. New designs, meeting more people, growing a community of first John customers. Still trying to think of a name for my customers. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I, I don't know what nickname I want to call them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just going to the community of first John is what I'm very excited about. Yeah, and congrats on everything. I I do agree that like the like human side or you know more vulnerable side and you know there are times where oversharing can be a problem but like sharing a little yeah. bit that you feel comfortable with obviously and safe doing really builds that connection and like you said other people are like oh I'm not alone in this I've experienced the same thing can be very powerful and build that community faster than just here's a fashion brand we make cool things you know it's people it for like yeah go ahead I was gonna say it just brings some authenticity to it mm -hmm. in my opinion yeah get more people excited about the same things that you're passionate about and you know be being able to make a difference and support something that they're also behind yeah yes absolutely so I have one more question that I ask everyone at the end of the interview, which is, okay, um, if you could communicate one value to the world through the clothes you design, what would it be? One value? Mm -hmm. To never lose your power. Mm -hmm. Always believe in yourself. You're the only one who can get you through this life. And if you count on yourself, you can't lose. So... Don't forget your power. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been so fun, Sadie, to hear more of your story, get to know you, and hear about this whole journey of starting First John. Where can people find out more about you and check out First John online? Yes, so we have a website. It's www.shopfirstjohn.com. And there's no I in first. It's F-R-S-T. And then we have an Instagram at shop first John. And then we have a TikTok. Technically, we don't post <laughs> on there as much, but we're working on it, which is at shop first John as well. <laughs> well, I'll put links to those in the show notes. And thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story. Thank you so much, Allison. It was fun. Oh, good. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you would like more episodes and resources like this about growing a fashion business that fits your customer, lifestyle, and values, send straight to your inbox. You can sign up for my email list at alisonhainis.com newsletter. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-H-O-E-N-E-S dot -E -E com slash newsletter. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of How Fitting.